Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 35 features the head coach of Lincoln Christian and the founder of Culture Coordinator, Kurt Earl. Coach Earl discusses the keys to building and repairing culture within any program and will discuss strategies for integrating and unifying a culture within any organization. Coach also shares his growth as a head coach and his future goals for himself, his program, and culturecoordinator.com. Coaches, don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it'd be much appreciated if you could leave a review for us on iTunes to help grow our program and share our message with others. This episode of Intentionally Grounded is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practices by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, that is G-O-R-O-U-T.com, or by emailing at sales at goroute.com. Or you can call the phone number at 866-777-1448. Episode 10 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Kurt Earl starts now. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in football. Yeah, so I uh, played football at Concordia University uh, here in Nebraska. It's an NAIA and really had a great experience. Had some really good uh, coaches, especially my offensive coordinator, who taught me a lot about the game and got me really excited about the X's and O's and how much difference a coordinator can really make. And that that was uh, exciting because I was on my way uh, to being a teacher and coach. That's what I went there for in terms of school. So then I uh, coached. I was the head junior high coach my first year out of college at a uh, little high school just north of the border, uh, the Kansas border uh, in Wymore, Nebraska, a Southern High School and uh, or junior senior high school. And it was um, an adventure because I'm coming straight off straight out of my fifth year of college football and uh, had really developed as a quarterback and uh, got a lot of freedom at the line of scrimmage. I knew the game well and, and coaching junior high quickly realized they didn't. <laughs> and I, I forgot how much of a gap there would be there. Or I didn't forget. I, I just was ignorant to that, you know. And so it was, it was a great experience. I hope for them as well as it was for me. I learned a lot. And then the next year, uh, I came to Lincoln Christian here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and this is my 13th year here. The first couple years, uh, I was assisting in every way possible, doing every kind of job I could find to do for the program, and working with some positions. And in my third year. Our head coach made me the offensive coordinator and I was the OC for eight years and had uh, a really good experience with that and uh, had a, uh, we had some really good runs and learned a lot about um, developing a program and, and uh, good, bad, and otherwise, you know. And then uh, after 10 years, our head coach had moved into the administration side of things. He's now our principal at our school and um, he uh, stepped away from football. And in that opportunity, I've of course applied, I guess not of course, but for me, that was obvious. I've always wanted to be a head coach and, uh, applied and, and was hired as the op- or as the head football coach at Lincoln Christian school, 
three years ago. So I'm in between my third and fourth season right now as the head coach. Coach, as the head coach at Lincoln Christian, what have been the foundational values you've instilled in your players in the program? Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> the biggest values that we hold to, are, of course, are, are unique to our school in the sense that it's unique to our faith. And so we define success as being able to look back on a season and or a game or a workout or a practice and being able to say we pursued our God-given potential and became more like Christ in the process. And I know that's unique for us, and that's not how it's going to be everywhere. Uh, but, you know, every, every coach wants his players as individuals and collectively as a team to be able to look back and say we went after our potential with everything we had, and we became better young men in the process. And so, uh, you know, there's some unique aspects of that to us in a Christian school setting, but but uh, also something that applies wherever you are, no matter who you're coaching or what level. Coach, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to endure as a head coach? And, and maybe on the flip side, what key trait do you believe coaches today need to have in order to be successful, like specifically at the high school level? I think the biggest challenges that I'm facing and uh, that other coaches are facing are all kind of one and the same. Uh, I've written quite a bit about this. Um, and talked about it a lot, but a couple things exist now that I think every coach has to really be aware of. And the first one is this idea of information symmetry that I got from Daniel Pink in his book titled To Sell is Human. And he just makes the point that in our current uh, society and with the, the great things that technology is doing, there is an, what he calls an information symmetry happening, meaning that no matter who you are, you have access to all the information. He uses a car dealership as an example, a used car dealership back in the day as an example, where the, the car salesman um, had all the information. There was information asymmetry because the salesman had all the info. The person coming to buy the car um, didn't have the info. And there was this asymmetry that existed. And so uh, it, it's important for coaches to realize that with the internet and with online uh, clinics and everything else, a parent or a player can know so much more than we could when we were parents or when I was a player or, or than our parents could. And there's this symmetry that exists, and it's altogether possible that you have some people who have a, a lot of knowledge about the game as compared to what they would have a generation ago. They may not have wisdom on how to apply that very well, but they've got a lot of knowledge. And that just wasn't the way it was. Um, 10, 20, 30 years ago, not, not to the degree it is now. So that's the first thing. And the other thing that I think is a challenge that every coach has to deal with is opportunity symmetry. So when I'm growing up, I went to a, a pretty big high school in a town that had basically that one high school, another high school on the, other, on the far end of town. But that was my only option. I was going to go play for Longwell High, and I was going to co go play for Coach Kramer and his assistants, and that was the only opportunity I had for football. Well, that might still be true in some communities, but at the same time, there's there's seven-on-seven seven opportunities, and there's all these other opportunities, and there's open enrollment in most big cities where you can go to just about any school um, with a few transfer rules based on each state. You know, So there's this information symmetry and this opportunity symmetry that uh, I think are, are big factors. And as a result, you've got to be really cognizant of the fact that you have to do some marketing. You have to be willing to get out there 
and sell what you're doing. And, and kids demand answers. Parents demand answers. They might do it very respectfully. My, my parents and families do, you know, they're respectful about it, but they, they want to make sure that you know that you're on top of it because they've got other options or they've got all the information and they want to see that you're striving to apply that information wisely. So that's a long answer, but I think that's a big part of what, what coaches need to be aware of as we go forward into kind of a new era in coaching. That's great stuff, Coach. Yeah. Um, if you had to choose one college or professional football team to study and model your program after, both XO-wise and you know, from a culture standpoint, um, who do you choose and why? Yeah, I don't know if I can narrow it down to just one. but And it's sort of cliche at this point, but Clemson and Davo Sweeney right now, um, are, are a place that I would love to just sort of watch how they do things. I don't know that I would write any X's and O's down. I'd be really interested in culture because I think um, they are managing to exist in a cutthroat environment in such a way that there's still a lot of joy and there's a lot of fun and they're really stinking good. <laughs> and that looks like, that sounds like a good plan to me, you know? And so I think that would be something uh, that would be a person or a program that I'd be interested to follow around and really get a feel for how are they how are they managing to do all those things because I think um, it's a challenge to be really good to exist and strive and or and thrive in a cutthroat environment and yet seem to have a whole bunch of people that love it and are enjoying it and are having a lot of fun and and they you know part of their success is they have so much depth and depth is hard to come by right now because kids transfer. They don't want to stick around if they're not going to get the opportunity they feel they deserve. And how, how is Clemson keeping people around? You know, there's just a lot of things like that that I would love to, to learn about and see and, and uh, just kind of observe how they do it. Coach, you're the founder of Culture Coordinator and CultureCoordinator.com. Um, give us a little bit of an insight to what your reasoning was for behind founding this site and then maybe what you hope to accomplish through your platform. Yeah, you know, so a lot of the, the backstory and the things that were going on in my head, I've already expressed, like recognizing that one of the biggest battlefronts, and I don't mean that negatively, but it's a good way to think about it. One of the biggest battlefronts for coaches is the culture battlefront and figuring out how to piece all these things together. So as I moved from an offensive coordinator to a head coach, it really became obvious that good teams have offensive, defensive and special teams coordinators. Every good team has that. But I was realizing quickly that a great team also has someone who unofficially or officially is the culture coordinator. So that's the just behind the name. <clears throat> and you've already heard a lot of um, other factors that were getting me to think, you know, I've got to do more. I'm, I'm the son of a coach, uh, a women's basketball coach. I've got to do more than my, my dad did to get people to buy in. I've got to do things differently. Um, because when I was, you know, all the things I talked about, but when I was a kid, it just, it, kids got into the program uh, for different reasons and a different environment and a different context. And so the idea that I needed to also be the culture coordinator really just began to dawn on me. So what I really hope to accomplish through it is to connect uh, people to ideas about culture in the same way that a lot of people have been connecting people using the internet and other things to ideas about defense or offense or special teams. And, and there is a subscription to the website because we've created a, an assessment where you get to really discover 
what is motivating the individuals on your team and your team collectively. And then that helps you uh, establish a game plan and walk through our system for building the type of culture you want. And, and it's the culture you want and what you need at your place because every place is different. I don't think there's a magical culture to just hand to somebody <clears throat> and carbon copy, excuse me. But I do think that um, there's a systematic way for installing it. And I think as coaches become more and more aware that culture is a critical thing that you need to have game planned and schemed and installed and built and maintained in the same way you need to do that for offense and defense and special teams. I think the more that that happens, the more that these types of tools will be developed and become available. And I hope to be one of the players in that game that's offering opportunities to, to grow and develop coaches and help them better, better, um, uh, help them do what's best for their players and for their program uh, so they can meet the standards and, and, and meet expectations and go beyond that in, in their uh, local environment. Just kind of touched on you created the system for, for building unity and improving culture. Um, what is your number one strategy or what is the first thing that you do um, when you're working with teams or coaches and helping improve maybe a fractured culture? Yeah. You ended with that term fractured culture, and that's perfect because step number one, I believe, is that you've got to build trust. And uh, again, in light of everything I've already said, like when I was a kid, I trusted the head coach because his title was head coach. And I think now you have to earn trust, build trust, one interaction, one relationship at a time. And so when you ask what's the the first thing I would uh, encourage a coach to do is build trust and to um, begin to recognize that there's a time and a place for bringing down the hammer and disciplining as most kids or as most people refer to it, disciplining a player. But um, you've got some teaching and training you have to do year after year in the off season before it's time to really hold people accountable uh, in certain ways. And you've got to get that in order and you can't jump ahead. Uh, otherwise, you'll build distrust. So I think building trust is the number one thing you got to do. Coach, when we look at, you know, culture in today's athletic programs, in terms of like the parts that fracture a culture, what do you believe is usually the root cause for these issues? Um, it can, it, I think it can vary a lot, but I think that a lot of the root cause can be on the coach um, and an unwillingness to sort of embrace some of these realities, the information and opportunity symmetry and to embrace that you you've got to be a marketer to embrace that you've got to build relationships almost in the way a, a pastor would in a church um, get to know people on a deeper level um, if you're unwilling to do some of those things and embrace some of those realities things are going to start to fracture and um, the irony here is that I think a lot of in a lot of situations in a lot of local communities around the country um, club coaches, seven-on-seven seven coaches, club volleyball, club basketball, they, they sort of tuned into this earlier on because they didn't have any guaranteed athletes. They had to go get athletes. And, uh, and then as they were sort of recruiting and marketing and maybe using tactics that weren't as ethical as we would hope for, marketing and recruiting and, and those sorts of things sort of became the bad guy because club coaches were kind of seen as the enemy, and I get that. Again, I'm the son of a coach who – was coaching in the in the beginnings of the club era and 
so I understand the frustration there. And so sometimes the beginning of the fracture, the fractures can begin when a coach sees some of what I'm saying as sort of the uh, either a necessary evil, so they got a bad attitude about it, or just straight out the evil side of coaching, and and they see it as something that those other coaches do that don't have that aren't built into, aren't embedded into a school like a, like a true coach is. That's kind of an attitude that a coach can have. And so I, I get the struggle and I understand that it's a real challenge, but I think that uh, a different mindset has to, um, has to be present in the mind of coaches these days. And if they don't have that, that's when those fractures can begin to happen and they can take an infinite number of forms from there. Coach, a big this is kind of a follow-up, but a big term that is popular right now is toxic masculinity, and I'm sure you've seen that. And and how do you go about, you know, addressing that? I think a lot of head football coaches or a lot of a lot of football coaches in general, I don't wouldn't say suffer from this, but like you talked about, it it, it it's very present and persistent, and it, and specifically in football. Um, how do you go about helping coaches see that that you know, the future is changing, it's evolving, and it's, you know, it's it's an evolution that's constantly improving. Um, but right now, I, f- I feel like, you know, at least from where we're at, and maybe where you see this too, that that there is um, still that, that present of toxicity a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, you, you present the facts and the reality about what's out in front of us. And I think you just, you frame that from a, hey, I'm in your shoes the same way you are, and let's just talk about this. Um, you know, I, I have a PDF. If you sign up for the email uh, subscription, a, a free PDF that talks about the three mindsets every every coach must – mindset shifts every coach must make. And the the idea there is is a lot of what we've already talked about, but that you've got to step back and adjust that mindset. And <clears> – <throat> You know, I think if I was in a face-to-face conversation and we were having that conversation and, and we talked about these mindset uh, changes that they need to make and they were really resistant, you, you've got to start talking a little bit about, like, well, if you resist these, ide- the, the, these ideas and these realities, where is that going to lead your program? And start brainstorming the worst possible outcomes a little bit because I think we are forgetting – we're forgetting what can happen if we neglect the culture in this way and if we don't build some of the things that – that need to be built in order to, to stay ahead of the curve. So, you know, I think it's just a process of conversations, of talking about the realities. Um, if you get a group of coaches together and you talk about some of these things and you say, who's seen this in their community, all the hands are going to go up, right? Everybody can raise their hand to that. And so then we say, okay, so what is what can we do to take action? And, you know, denial just isn't an option or being stubborn just isn't an option. What can we do to get ahead of the curve and, and make sure that our people, our players, our parents, our stakeholders um, are aware of these things and that, that they feel like we're, we're, we're taking the necessary steps to be um, <clears throat> a, a, a prominent culture or a prominent program within that context. Coach, currently we have a lot of players, specifically here in our school, we're a smaller school, so we have a lot of players and athletes do multiple sports, and um, what we're seeing is a growing trend, kind of not just in our school, but necessarily around um, our area and maybe around the country a little bit, is you have a bunch of kids who are competing for um, each 
certain coaches' intention, each certain coach's culture, and they want to do and excel as well as they possibly can. And sometimes it seems like cultures also compete inside of a certain school. So I guess my question for you is, um, with all these different programs within a high school or programs within an organization competing with their different cultures, how do you integrate them to be on the same page? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. Uh, my current answer is I just became the AD this year, and so now I get to sort of lead from the top, uh, <laughs> hopefully, and hopefully everybody follows. So I guess you, you try to get a, a, a higher position. No, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, there's some truth to that. You got to have an AD who embraces the reality that there is there's a, a common foundation of things and ideas and concepts that every program should be adopting, and then every program can can jump off that diving board into the deep end uh, on their own and, and have their own little uh, nuances and differences. But, you know, you may or may not have that good leadership in place and, and, and the, uh, that, that may or may not be the, the, the case where you're at. I think it's really important that as a, as a culture coordinator in whatever sport you're in, you are doing your best to connect with the head coaches of all the other sports and, uh, to build a community that is excited, not just for one sport, but for all of them. I'm very fortunate. You know, the, the biggest crossover in our school where the cultures can overlap and the schedules can overlap is basketball because of summer and um, <clears throat> spring things that we're all trying to get done in the off season. I'm very fortunate that I have a great relationship with our head coach. Uh, and I did before I was the AD. And so that's been a natural transition. And, um, you know, we, we are very intentional to build out, especially June, especially June, we're to, to build out a schedule where if you're a top player in both programs or if you're a freshman in both programs, we're not overwhelming you. We're not accidentally booking you for 20 days in a row, Sundays included on, on at camps or whatever in June. Um, we, we are very intentional about that, and we're adding a baseball team. And so now we're, you know, he's been brought into that discussion, and we're trying to um, more and more um, make sure that the schedules are such that if, if we were in the kids' shoes, not only would they not overlap, but there'd be plenty of breaks and that there'd also, it'd be fun. It'd be like, how else would you want to spend your summer, you know? And so I think that's a key thing. I think also uh, some little simple things are really important to like, you know, I, I obviously as a football coach, I'm trying to create a culture where every kid, wants to be at every event we do and they can hardly imagine missing it. Well, at the same time, the basketball team is wanting to do that. The baseball team is wanting to do that and it's going to overlap. And so we do some simple things like uh, in the football program, I label every single event required, expected, or just for fun. If it's required, it might impact playing time and there might be some consequences if you don't attend. <clears throat> it's expected. It's sort of the, well, why wouldn't you come? You know, lifting in, in, what is it, January 25th or whatever the date is, you know, lifting in January is expected. Why wouldn't you come four days a week if you can in January, you know? And there's like, times when you won't be able to make it, and that's okay, but, you know, you should be there. Why wouldn't you be there? And then just for fun is like literally no strings attached, no expectations. Um, we're just doing this for fun. And those are sometimes that might be a, a game or not a game, a practice or a workout. Sometimes it might be just getting together to, to play video games or to watch a movie or to do something just for fun. And if you miss, no problem, no big deal at all. Not, not, no reason to feel like you, 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 you offended the coach or something that, to that degree. So 
um, work together, schedules, make expectations really clear, uh, try to come to come up with some base foundational principles that <clears throat> that everybody can agree to and work out from there. I think that'd be my, the, you know, what I'd, I'd encourage people to do. As we kind of get toward the end of the podcast here, Kurt, um, what future goals do you have both personally and then for the culture coordinator um, website that you, you've created and adopted and, and some of the personal and professional goals that you're looking at in the future? Yeah, so as a, as a head football coach, we are striving to be as systematic as possible, to have a system in place so that when a fifth grader starts with our youth team, and move through our junior high program and through our high school program, that by the end of that experience, they, they know the game inside and out. They understand exactly what is expected of them on the field. But far more importantly, they've been trained up <clears throat> within a Christian context at our school on what it looks like um, to compete, to be disciplined, to be self-sacrificing, be a great, great teammate, you know, a lot of other things I could go on and on and on what we're trying to build, but to have systems in place that, that if you'll show up and you'll do what we're asking and you'll be willing to have an open mind and an open heart, you're going to have a tremendous experience and that that experience would build young men who are ready to be great members of their communities and ambassadors for Christ first and foremost, but, but, all, but equally important, will build a program that's really excellent on the field and competes for a district championship and makes it to the 16-team playoff in our state and some of those kind of things. So systems that, that, that get us on that path and that every coach knows their role from fifth grade through me and uh, everybody's on the same page as far as where we're going. So that, that'd be a, a huge goal that we're, we're chasing down right now in terms of football. You know, and as an AD and as culture coordinator, it's kind of the same, it's just in different contexts. But, you know, again, systems thinking, really really having in place uh, systems that help coaches at my school and around the country uh, implement the, cult, the culture that is right and will work for their program, helping them discover a little bit what that's going to be and what that is, and then helping them install that and have all the things that they need, the resources that they need in place to make that happen. And um, as an AD, that means uh, right now looking for ways to free up more time so that I can sit down with coaches and work with them on that. As the culture coordinator, that means continuing to um, use different tools to automate certain aspects and uh, to hire some people to help uh, do some of the things that I can't do uh, just in the quantities and things so that as more members come on, we're ready to serve everyone uh, with equal attention and uh, give them what they deserve and what they're what they're looking for. Kurt, we have a tradition here on our show that has a question that we end our program with, with has nothing to do with coaching whatsoever, and just kind of yeah. gets us to know you a little bit better. Um, but if you had to pick a walk-up song, either as a professional baseball player or a professional wrestler, what would Kurt Earl's walk-up song be, and tell us why? Yeah, so this question, when you sent me the, the podcast notes, made me smile. I love it. This is fun. And it does say a lot about a guy. Uh, so my my song would be Don't Waste Your Life by Lecrae. Uh, just packed with meaning and um, true to my faith and fun. And uh, I should be playing it when I walk to the field every time. I think you guys might have inspired me. I need to be hearing it and reminding myself of it 
more often, but that would be my walk-up song as a, as a baseball player or a wrestler.